Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. All right, welcome to it. I am Roman. And ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. We're going to be getting into it today. This is this is going to be uh, the podcast episode that I've been waiting for. And I think you're going to enjoy this podcast as well. I'm going to do my best to put a lot of... I, I've done my best already, actually, to, already, to put a lot of hard work into this particular episode. And uh, as I'm recording it, I'm going to be doing, doing an equally amount of hard work to, to make it a, a good delivery for you. So what do I mean when I say the time has come? Uh, let me tell you what I mean by that. We're going to be getting to some letters today. During the introduction podcast, uh, I went over some very briefly, very briefly, some letters uh, from our founding fathers, some little snippets from there, just to kind of show you what I'm going to be talking about, that we are going to be pulling this information directly from the letters. And then I went straight into the Declaration of Independence. Eh, we did a letter here and there. And uh, I also did the Intolerable Acts. We did a couple of letters, and that's it. This podcast episode is going to be 100% letters, and it's going to be some really, really good letters. If you do not get something out of this podcast episode, there is something wrong with you. I say jokingly, but, you know, on the one hand, it's... Um, there's some truth to that, really, actually, when you think about it. This is going to be some good stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you've been hanging in there since episode one, as I get a little bit better at the podcast and I improve a few things here and there, uh, and we continue to improve things on this podcast, I thank you. You know, I mean, I'll tell you what, as, as somebody who's never broadcast anything, and I do mean anything to the world, it's the first time I'm doing this. Episode 1 was the very first time I recorded anything for anybody elsewhere in the world to listen to. And you folks, some of you folks have been hanging around out there since the beginning. And thank you so very much for doing that. It's uh, rough around the edges sometimes with this podcast. But again, this isn't a big budget podcast. This is just one guy who really likes history doing a podcast and trying to make some content that's useful to you. Trying to put out a good product for you. I want to make a good product for you. So we're going to do that here today. So we're going to jump right into it, but I do want to make mention uh, another time, one more time about my Patreon uh, side of things. Uh, again, you can support this podcast. You can support my other podcast on Patreon by going over there at patreon.com slash podcasts with Roman. It's a subscription site. Uh, all the creators on Patreon use that as basically their membership zone. Uh, and there's a lot of really good creators on Patreon. So if you go over there and you check out my Patreon page, you figure out it's not your cup of tea, stick around on Patreon. Look around around on Patreon. There's some really great folks over there producing some really, really great content. And the Patreon audience, the Patreon memberships, it's more of a close-knit community than you're going to find anywhere else. In the podcast world, or even in YouTube in some cases, and elsewhere. It's really fantastic, and I, I hope to create a great environment over there on my Patreon site as well. I've got a great podcast I just recorded for Patreon. It's going to be dropping sometime the, as, as of the, the same week I'm recording this podcast. It's going to drop, and I think it's a great discussion, and I think uh, some of you folks really get a lot out of that. So if you want to check it out, get on over there and do that, and I, I aim to produce some great content over there for you as well. So without further delay, I'm excited to get into this podcast. I'm not going to say another word. We are going to get started started on this podcast reading some letters right now let's go 
We're going to be joined on the podcast today by Benjamin Franklin, and we're going to be joined also by the uh, great George Washington. They're going to be coming to us live from 1774, and we're lucky to have them on the podcast today. It's going to start as a bit of a slow burn, but believe me, this is going to build up. What we're going to be talking about is the period of 1774 to 1775 over the next few podcasts. So we're staying within that time frame of the Intolerable Acts. And as I'm reading through George Washington's letters, you notice a serious uptick in his commentary about the British and about the conflict between Britain and the colonies around the time of July 1774. And the reason why you see an uptick is because of the Intolerable Acts. And keep in mind that the Intolerable Acts were largely focused against the colony of Massachusetts, namely Boston. But the colonists, as far south as Virginia and beyond even, took it seriously as a problem not just for Massachusetts and Boston, but also for Pennsylvania and Virginia, etc. This was a problem that was not going to go away. Even even in 1774, these colonists, in, in many respects, many of them anyway, saw themselves as joined together. Very important. So let's talk about, let's go to Benjamin Franklin. This is going to be a letter from Benjamin Franklin to William Franklin, his son, on the 30th of June, 1774, written from London. I quote, I hear a non-importation agreement is intended. If it is general and the Americans agree in it, the present ministry will certainly be knocked up and their act repealed. Otherwise, they and their measures will continue and the Stamp Act revived. End quote. So what's he talking about when he says... Their act repealed. He's talking about the intolerable acts, really. And he may just be talking about one of the intolerable acts at this point, and one in particular, but he's but in, obviously in, in time we're talking about the, the intolerable acts in the aggregate. And he's talking about a non-importation agreement being considered by the colonists. Non-importation meaning some, some form of boycott against British goods to apply pressure to Britain, some economic pain to get them to see reason and see the colonists' complaints for what they are. And he says, if they do not do this, if the colonists do not do something, then these acts will continue, and not only that, the Stamp Act will be revived, which was previously repealed. So you you, you know exactly where Benjamin Franklin stands on this issue. He's against the Intolerable Acts, clearly in, against them. And at this time, again, he's still in London. He was uh, sent there as a kind of representative from the colonists, and he was there for a while, soon to be on his way back. Let's continue this. Quote, the bill for laying duties on spirits and liquors imported into Quebec appoints three pence a gallon in what is from Britain, six pence on what comes from the West Indies, and twelve pence on all from any part of North America, or any foreign country, so that after all our expense in helping to conquer Canada for this crown, we are put on the footing of foreigners in our trade with it. Will this, in a future war, encourage us to assist more in conquests? End quote. So did you catch that? Benjamin Franklin is talking about an insult to the colonies as far as their standing in the British Empire. He lays out these various duties that are placed against certain imports. And three pence uh, from Britain, and these are talking about imports into Quebec. Three pence from Britain, six pence on what comes from the West Indies, and twelve pence from North America or any foreign country. So North America is put on the same footing as a foreign country country in terms of the British Empire and these imports into Quebec. Isn't that interesting? This is this seems to be quite insulting to, to Benjamin Franklin. So their own government, Britain, is effectively putting them on equal footing with foreigners 
The only thing that could possibly be worse than that is putting foreigners on a higher footing than their own people in North America, their own colonies. Imagine that, if you will. A government putting foreigners on a higher footing than their own people. That's the only thing that would be worse than what they're doing here. And Benjamin Franklin is aware of this. He mentions it, and he's quite incensed about this. Keep that in mind. So that gives you a little background. That introduces you into this non-importation agreement, how it how it applies to the acts and all the rest of it. Now we're going to get into George Washington and this correspondence with uh, Mr. Brian Fairfax. So we're, the next series of correspondence that we're going to talk about is exclusively between George Washington and Brian Fairfax. Who's Brian Fairfax? He was a, a man from Virginia, same as Washington. Uh, I'm, I'm uncertain as to whether or not Fairfax County, Virginia was named for his, named by his family, although it very well may have been. It would make sense if it was. I didn't look into that, frankly speaking. It's not terribly important to me. George Washington did live in Fairfax County, by the way. Now, these two engage in a back-and-forth correspondence between one another that is very, very interesting and crucially important and provides a fantastic, fantastic window into the disagreements and agreements between different personalities within the colonies. The, these series of letters are absolutely fantastic, and you're going to get a real good sense of that here to come. So let's go through the first first two letters that we're going to talk about. This is, for, this is a letter written from Brian Fairfax to George Washington on the 3rd of July, 1774. And we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to skip down here, and we're going to take an excerpt from the letter. And I quote, Several gentlemen of this county have been kind enough to propose me as a candidate at the next election, and it would give me a particular pleasure to serve with you. I have thought it very unlucky that it should happen at this time. I have been forced to decline it chiefly because I thought I could not give satisfaction in general upon this occasion, for I should think myself bound to oppose violent measures now. The entering upon a plan of having no trade would be an arduous undertaking, I mean if persisted in. And if once entered upon it ought to be strictly kept, I therefore think it would be more proper to first try what effect a petition might have towards obtaining a repeal of the duty. I would willingly give the Parliament a fair opportunity to do it, and therefore should be for a petition unaccompanied with any threats or claims, for we have already used them. And if such an opportunity should be missed, we might then be better able to judge of their real attentions towards us." End quote. Again, that was Brian Fairfax to George Washington. Now, he starts off this uh, this section of the letter by talking about he's he's been proposed as a candidate for the next election. What what candidate? What candidate for what? The way I understand this is, and again, these people don't ever mention exactly what they're talking about half the time, so you have to read into it. I understand he's talking about the Fairfax County Committee, which George Washington was a member of, and this is going to come up in our correspondence later. We're actually going to cover some uh, some correspondence from the Fairfax County Committee. George Washington was a member. Uh, Mr. Fairfax is also uh, being proposed as being a member. So that's what they're talking about there. But once you get into the meat of this, what he's talking about here is he doesn't support the non-importation agreement that Benjamin Franklin was talking about, which is why I read you that letter first so you'd know what we're talking about here. He doesn't support a boycott. Instead, he suggests this, and I quote, I therefore think it would be more proper to try first what effect a petition might have towards obtaining a real re a repeal of the duty, end quote. So he wants to try to petition the king. He wants to try to write a letter to the king, to parliament, and try to say, hey, can cooler heads prevail? Can we reach some kind of a, an agreement? Okay, so you get the you get the uh, the general direction that Fairfax is coming from here. He's very much a a cool moderate. He, he's he's not wanting anything to do with any kind of boycott at this point, and he refers to them as quote violent measures end quote. I find that fascinating. Otherwise, I don't know what he's talking about. 
best as I can tell, there's no violent measures being proposed right now except for this non-importation agreement, which I certainly would not consider to be violent. And he almost sounds like he's opposed to the boycott because it would be too hard. It would be too much of a commitment. He seems to not want to be bothered by the work of it all. And if I'm right about that, and I may not be right about that, it's a very common tale. People are often too comfortable to fight for their rights. Because sometimes fighting for your rights requires a lot of really hard work. you got to get up, and you got to get out, and you got to actually go do that. And a lot of people don't want to be bothered to do it. they got other things to do. And it seems like Brian Fairfax may be one of those characters. And you're going to find out real doggone fast that George Washington is not one of those characters. It's what I love about him. Get ready for that, because we're going to get into it. So, he, so Fairfax wants to give Parliament a, quote, fair opportunity, end quote. Let's continue. Further down in the letter from Brian Fairfax to George Washington, quote, There are scarce any at Alexandria of my opinion, and though the few I have elsewhere conversed with on the subject are so, yet from them I could learn that many thought otherwise, so that I believe I should at this time give general dissatisfaction, and therefore it would be more proper to decline it even upon this account, as well as because it would necessarily lead me into great expenses, which my, which my circumstances will not allow of. My wife and Sally join me in compliments to Mrs. Washington, and I remain, dear sir, your most obliged and obedient servant, Brian Fairfax. End quote. And when he says, he's, he's clear here that there aren't many people in Alexandria, Virginia, that are of his opinion. In other words, they disagree with him on this. They seem to be very much for a non-importation agreement, or at the very least, some action not for petition. And when he says, quote, I should at this time give general dissatisfaction, end quote, I think what he means is that he would be unpopular. Most people disagree with him, it would seem, or at least he seems to think most people would disagree with him, so he doesn't seem to think that he would have any, he would lend any weight to serving on the committee. Okay, so let's read George Washington's response to Brian Fairfax, written from Mount Vernon on the 4th of July, 1774. Obviously, this is two years to the day that we now recognize the independence of the United States. That is to say, two years preceding the 4th of July, 1774, to the day. And I quote, I own to you, sir, I wished much to hear of your making an open declaration of taking a poll for this county upon Colonel West publicly declining last Sunday, and I should have written to you on the subject, but for information then received from several gentlemen in the churchyard of your having refused to do so. End quote. And continuing on, quote, And therefore I again express my wish that you e that either you or Colonel Mason would offer. I can be of little assistance to either because I early laid it down as a maxim not to propose myself and solicit for a second. End quote. So this is just a casual response to his to Mr. Fairfax's uh, declining to uh, be a candidate for committee. And it's interesting. Washington already has already read his letter, and at this point, Washington knows that he disagrees with his sentiments on this issue. And you're going to find that out here in a second. We haven't read that part yet, obviously. I know that because I've read through this already. But he still wants Brian Fairfax to serve on committee. Isn't that interesting? Completely disagrees with Brian Fairfax on where he, where he stands on this issue of non-importation and a petition to the parliament, but he still wants him to serve with them on committee. Isn't that interesting? What, what have I said before, that gentlemen can always agree to disagree? Isn't that something missing from the popular discourse today? Gentlemen can always agree to disagree. And this second part of this uh, first section of this letter, quote, I can be of little assistance to either because I early laid it down as a maxim not to propose myself and solicit for a second, end quote. What he's saying there is he is already a member of the committee. He's already basically been proposed to serve on committee, and he doesn't want to basically camp what we would call campaign for the election of another. Isn't that interesting? That kind of honor and integrity you don't see very often. Isn't that, isn't that a fascinating exploration into the honor and integrity of George Washington. 
He doesn't want to meddle in the election of somebody else to committee if he's already a candidate, already serving. Good luck finding that these days. What a sad commentary that is for us today. Now let's get into the meat of this thing. Quote, As to your political sentiments, I would heartily join you in them, so as far as relates to a humble and dutiful petition to the throne, provided there was the most distant hope of success. But have we not tried this already? Have we not addressed the lords and remonstrated to the commons? And to what end? Did they design to look at our petitions? Does it not appear as clear as the sun in its meridian brightness that there is a regular, systemic plan formed to fix the right and practice of taxation upon us? Does not the uniform conduct of Parliament for some years past confirm this? Does not all the debates, especially those just brought to us in the House of Commons on the side of government, expressly declare that America must be taxed in aid of the British funds, and that she has no longer resources within herself? Is there anything to be expected from the petitioning after this? Is not the attack upon the liberty and property of the people of Boston before restitution of the loss of the India Company was demanded a plain, self-evident proof of what they are aiming at? Do not the subsequent bills, now I dare say acts, for the depriving of Massachusetts Bay of its charter and for transporting offenders into other colonies or to Great Britain for trial, where it is impossible from the nature of the thing that justice can be obtained, convince us that the administration is determined to stick at nothing to carry its point? Ought we not then to put our virtue and fortitude to the severest test? End quote. Goodness gracious. Washington is all fired up. Can you feel that? Remember on the first episode of this podcast, one of the things I, I told you that would happen is that as we begin to read these letters, you are going to feel the passions of the Founding Fathers just from the letters, just from the words written on the page. And it still carries. I can still feel this man's passions and his feelings 200 plus years later. And I can fully understand them because we understand the context of it. We've read the Declaration of Independence. We've read the Intolerable Acts. And if this is the first podcast episode you're turning into, go back and listen to those before you listen to this one. This will make a lot more sense to you. But Washington is ready to go to town. He details out exactly the intolerable acts we discussed to some degree. He mentions Boston, Massachusetts. He's talking about one of his sister colonies. He feels apparently a great connection to the people of Boston and Massachusetts for what they're going through. This is very interesting. And boy, can you feel the passion coming out of this man's words. He is committed. Let's continue. Quote, With you I think it a folly to attempt more than we can ex execute, as that will not only bring disgrace upon us, but weaken our cause. Yet I think we may do more than is generally believed. I respect the non-importation scheme. As to the withholding of our remittances, that is another point, in which I own I have my doubts on several accounts, but principally on that of justice. For I think whilst we are accusing others of injustice, we should be just ourselves. And how can this be whilst we, while, whilst we owe a considerable debt and refuse payment of it to Great Britain is to me inconceivable. Nothing but the last extremity, I think, can justify it. Whether this is now to come is the question. I begin with telling you that I was to write a short letter. My paper informs me I have done otherwise. I shall hope to see you tomorrow at the meeting of the county in Alexandria when these points are to be considered. I am, dear sir, your most obedient and humble servant, George Washington. End quote. So Fairfax was concerned that the colonists don't have the commitment to long suffer a non-importation agreement. Washington thinks otherwise. I quote, Yet I think we may do more than is generally believed in respect to the non-importation scheme. End quote. Washington has great belief in the American colonies to persevere and to accomplish this goal. 
But further, quote, For I think whilst we are accusing others of injustice, we should be just ourselves. And how can this be whilst we owe a considerable debt and refuse payment of it to Great Britain? It is to me incon inconceivable. End quote. So he's talking about, along with the non-importation agreement, there was this uh, consideration for, for non-payment of debts owed to Great Britain. So George Washington is against that part of it. He, he certainly doesn't want to consider any part of that, neither does Fairfax, by the way. Because George Washington is convinced that they must be just in their actions. He says that while they're accusing others of injustice, that the colonies must themselves be just. Isn't that interesting? Another thing missing in great measure from today's discourse, that is to say the modern day. This is a man who believed in some form of honor and integrity, even in conflict, even in conflict with Great Britain, for which he's, he's truly animated over this. And he mentions he's going to see, he's, he hopes to see Brian Fairfax tomorrow in Alexandria. He's getting ready to travel and go see the committee and talk about these issues directly. So they're on the move. Founding fathers are on the move, ladies and gentlemen. So is it the case that Brian Fairfax is really just a uh, go-along-to-get-along? Let's, eh, let's wait and see. Let's not really do much right now. Eh, I can't be bothered to, to do anything about this right now. This is all just uh, too much work, too much of a pain to deal with. The American people... That is to say, the colonists at the time, nah, they don't really want to commit to this. Is that who? Is that the? Is that the nature of Brian Fairfax in this instance? And George Washington, quite the opposite. It would seem to be. It's a profile in contrast between these two people. But we're going to be getting into these letters, and you know, to, in order to keep this, uh, you know, podcast within the time frames that I, I try to keep it in, which is somewhere between a half hour and an hour, we don't have time to go through the next set of letters between Washington and Fairfax. We're going to have to get into those in the next episode of this podcast, but I hope you can see the beginnings of this. This, By the way, this conversation gets even more animated between between Washington and Fairfax. Not in an angry way, but Washington gets pretty worked up over what's going on, clearly. And uh, but, but despite that, despite the disagreement, again, towards the end of this letter, he's still very much wanting to see Brian Fairfax and wanting to work with him. Quote, I begin with telling you that I was to write a short letter. My paper informs me I have done otherwise. I shall hope to see you tomorrow at the meeting of the County of Alexandria when these points are to be considered. I am, dear sir, your most obedient and humble servant, George Washington. End quote. Despite any disagreements, they're still friends. George Washington certainly thinks so. And you'll see as this develops that that, you know, fairly well remains to be true in these correspondence, at least during this time period. I can't speak that much to everything that happened in their lives, but certainly in their back and forth in these letters they seem to be. So that's just the beginning of this, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be digging into this even more. This is going to get more interesting as we go. So with that, let's segue into the next section of this podcast. All right, well, we've reached the end of this particular podcast episode. This one's going to be a, a little bit shorter than the last episode. The episodes kind of vary in length back and forth, of course, but depending on how much material I actually get to cover and all that stuff. I actually recorded uh, the next set of letters already, and it was just it was too long to fit in this podcast. It really was. It went on for almost uh, 45 minutes, just the two letter, the next two letters that we're going to talk about on the next episode. But good news, just a few days after this podcast drops, the next episode will be available. So you will not have to wait long for the next set of letters between Mr. Fairfax and General Washington. I call him General Washington. Of course, he wasn't General Washington at this particular point in history. I, I commonly refer to George Washington as General Washington. I always do. I never refer to him as President Washington, by the way. I always refer to him as General Washington. I'm not sure exactly why. I just prefer to think of him that way. But I, I hope you see the importance in these letters between Fairfax and Washington, because this is not just a debate that is happening between two people in the colonies. These two people represent 
two larger populations of people in the colonies at this particular period in time. One that very much agrees with Washington's sentiments and one that very much agrees with Mr. Fairfax's sentiments. And each one has its merits. Each one has some justification behind it. And it's so very important to, to study these letters and to listen to them because it, it gets you right, it, it gives you a window straight through 200 years of history and back into what was going on right before the American Revolution. What set these people off? What got them fired up like we heard Washington today? And what we're going to hear from Washington in the next episode of this podcast. And believe me, Washington gets even more fired up in the next episode. So I give you that to look forward to, and we're, we're going to really be reading a lot from these letters, and it's great stuff, great stuff. I really hope you enjoy it, because, I mean, and why is, you know, I keep going back to this. Why is this stuff important? Why is it important to know about some random discussion between a Mr. Fairfax and a Mr. Washington from Virginia 200-plus years ago? Because it really, it really talks about the relationship between people and government. And specifically, a government which has gone tyrannical by Washington's words, not mine. A government that has gone tyrannical and is trampling on the rights of the colonists. In this particular case, the right to not be taxed by a parliament wherein they have no representation. The colonists really believe this to be a fundamental right. As evidenced previously, the Stamp Act repealed by parliament because of that very argument. And it's not just the relationship between people and government, but also the relationship between two opposing views inside of the colonies and inside of countries, generally speaking, even to this day. These two people were friends, engaged in a lively debate about what was going on around them. And it is very representative of the debate that was going on in the whole of the colonies at the time. Fantastic material. Absolutely fantastic. And to have the argument made by General Washington is just the icing on the cake. It's great to hear from General Washington. So with that said, I want to thank you for joining me on this particular podcast episode. The next one is going to be fantastic as well, I think. I hope you enjoy these podcasts, especially now that we're getting more into the letters and away from uh, just the you know the, the writing of the Declaration of Independence, which was in itself a letter from the Founding Fathers. But uh, then, then, of course, we went back and talked about the uh, Intolerable Acts, which was not so much a letter from Parliament as it was a <laughs> uh, the laws from Parliament at the time. But we're back into the letters from our founders and... Thank you for joining me here. I, I greatly appreciate your support for the podcast in both listening and sharing the podcast. And if I may have the honor of having your support on Patreon as well, I certainly appreciate it, and I thank you in advance for that. Patreon.com slash podcasts with Roman. Uh, Patreon platform is a subscription platform where you support content creators such as myself, and there's many other fantastic content creators over there. I have supported people on Patreon before. There's some good stuff over there. If you go over there, again, like I mentioned before, if you go over to Patreon and you don't think that my particular Patreon is your cup of tea, there's other people over there who may be producing some content that you thoroughly enjoy. I encourage you to check that out. And for your subscription, it's not just a way to say thank you for this particular podcast, but I also provide you an additional podcast over there on that Patreon page, and I've got some good episodes. I got an episode I just recorded that I think is some good material about the British Empire I think you might enjoy. So you might go over there and check that out, and you'll get access to that podcast as well. Not to mention you'll get a lot of opportunity to interact with the podcast, and I'm going to be sharing some of that content, those interactions, on the actual podcast itself because I want to have a discussion about what we talk about here. Just like the Founding Fathers engaged in discussion about the issues uh, of this particular era, I want us to be able to have a discussion about the issues of this particular era as well, about the founding, about the revolution, 
about the Founding Fathers and what they did and what they talked about. So I look forward to that. And I look forward to seeing the podcast grow even more because of your dedication to it and your commitment to this podcast. Thank you so very much for that. So with that, we are going to end this podcast for now. But again, I so very much look forward and I'm very excited about the next episode of this podcast. I hope you are as well. I look forward to finishing that podcast episode and then dropping that here in a few days so that you can have access to that. And I hope you enjoy that. Until then, this is Roman signing out.